0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hey, what's happening, Bears fans? This is a special edition of T-Formation Conversation. I'm your host, Lester A. Wiltfung Jr., and I call it special because I'm actually in A right now recording. We are in a... The, I guess you call it the Windy City Gridiron House. Uh, we have uh, three of our other writers here. We have uh, Jeff Burkus, EJ Snyder, and Robert Schmitz, the other three hosts uh, host of the podcast we have. So what's up, guys? Hey, Lester. Things are going great. Absolutely. Really excited to be in Bourbon A. So, so the three of you guys are all in Bourbon A yesterday and today, and you'll be here again tomorrow. So you guys are going to get a good snapshot of what's going on with the Chicago Bears. Uh, so I definitely got to get you guys' thoughts now. You've seen the first full weekend. Open to the public. Obviously, the Bears practiced on on uh, Friday, but it was just kind of a glorified walk-through, a little bit of uh, conditioning, which Coach uh, Matt Nagy said they did so great, he actually stopped the conditioning drill. So that's a positive for us. But So out of the first two days you guys saw here, I'll start with Jeff, who is the player that stood out to you in a surprising way uh, that, that is doing much better than you thought he would be? I've got to say, and I am an Oregon State grad, so I do have to uh,
2: mention that for a disclaimer, but Ryan Nall looked really good and that really it su- really surprised <laughs> me. And I know that's a hype train that probably won't leave the station, but he looked he looks physically impressive and he looks very smooth catching the ball out of the backfield. And he's got speed for days. And I was just really impressed with him. I had not Really seen him before in person, of course, but uh, kind of forgot about his preseason performance last year, and so EJ reminded me how good he did last year. He's really impressive, but I'm wondering if Nagy does, in
1: fact, see a role
2: for him. So I was very excited to see a positive
1: out of him. You know, he had a, uh, a good preseason last year. He had a few big runs. Um, I think he led the Bears in rushing a year ago in preseason. He worked on his feet, his quickness, obviously, in the offseason. I mean, that's evident. I think I shared a few videos either on Twitter or the site, I forget which, but... He put the work in, and he looks like a much better player. Will he make the roster? That's the big question now. After a couple of days, what do you think, Jeff? Well, it's a it's a it's a good room, and you've got the investment in Montgomery, which we'll
2: get to here in a little bit. But um, it's 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 going to be a, a tough road. But I think that they he brings a pretty interesting creative element. And so, I mean, if you're putting me on the spot, I'm going to
1: say yes, he does. EJ, I want to get your thoughts on Ryan Nogg. We talked a lot about him last
3: year when he was a rookie. Um, You see a different player now? I do. I see an improved skill set. It's wider. Uh, He's always had speed, he had great power, but he's kind of a one-cut-and-go guy. Uh, His pass pro was okay, but not tremendous. We got to see him in pass pro isolated today. Um, But Jeff's point of him catching the ball much more smoothly, I could see a hybridized role for him. He's also a special teams contributor. So it's really hard to cut a guy like that that can do a lot of things. He can run for you. You can, the Bears are doing a lot of flexing in and out of the slots. You can start a guy like that in the slot, pull him into the backfield or do vice versa. He's got speed. He's very big. He stands out in the running back room as the biggest guy there physically, but he's smooth, he's fast. He can break when he broke one today. There's a lot of people talking about almost like a hybridized H-back role for him, which a coach like Matt Nagy could really use. It's going to be tough to cut him. I understand that the room is so much better than it was, but he's got so many skills and he contributes on special teams. He's going to be a tough cut.
1: You you talk about the running back room being better. And, Robert, do you think he has a chance to make the roster? You got Montgomery, you got uh, uh, Davis, you got Patterson to get reps there, you got Cohen obviously to get reps there. You got Kareth White, the rookie. Oh, Is yeah. there a place for Ryan Nall on this roster? So I got to tell you, the first things first,
4: I, I've always seen this as being a four running back room because that's all I've really ever seen in the NFL. Uh, so Cullen obviously makes the roster. Davis uh, shaped up his game today, which was great. I've always thought Patterson fits as that uh, running back mold, especially given what he did in New England. And uh, then you've got David Montgomery, who you spend a third round pick on a guy, he's not getting cut. But Nall, to exactly the point that the other two have made, he looks hard to cut. I don't know where you find that room for him, but one thing that EJ, off the record of course, has been going on and on and on about is that now that we don't have Joshua Bellamy, we're looking for a special teamer to put somewhere and we don't really know where it is. Maybe it's a defensive back, maybe it's Ryan Nall. Maybe, because he had a touchdown today where he made one really nice cut and burned everybody for a 25-yard touchdown, beat the safety. I mean, his feet have looked quick. He looks like everything Nagy wants in a running back. It's hard to watch what he's done in practice with two really analytical eyes and say, this guy hasn't been good enough. So
1: we'll have to see. He's got four preseason games at the minimum. So the Bears carried a fullback on the roster last year. And I think we're all in agreement that Ryan Nall could probably fill some of that role, but it looks like Nagy would rather do with a tight end, either Broniker or maybe Saul as a guy that comes in to play that fullback spot. Um, but So technically, if you look at the roster, there is an open hole there, and I think it could be Nall. It could be. That's not really unrealistic. Yeah, so EJ,
3: who's the guy that stood out to you that you were a little uh, pleasantly surprised with? It's funny, you just mentioned his name, Bradley Soul. Okay. I was not expecting Bradley Soul to look like a comfortable tight end. I was expecting him to look like uh, an offensive lineman trying to cut weight. Um, you guys as former offensive linemen, both Jeff and and Lester I said- are not cutting weight though. <laughs> no, you well, no, are not, not cutting weight. <laughs> You've told me over the last couple of days, of course he looks happy. It's an offensive lineman's dream yes. to get asked to play tight end. And, and he looks very happy. He's incredibly svelte. He's moving really well. He's taking the first team reps at tight end. Shaheen was out today with a sore lower back soul looks very natural we saw him early on in seven on sevens uh taking khalil Mack out of the running lane one-on-one which if he told me that a year ago i said no way but he looks smooth he's playing on the first team he's catching the ball fairly well again these are not deep seam routes he's not trey burton but he doesn't have to be and he looks happy and effective that's a surprising storyline to me his body transformation alone is just crazy but the fact that he's being effective in that role, he looks like he's enjoying it, and he's getting first-team reps. If you told me that about Bradley Soule two weeks ago, I would have said, "Yeah, nah, I don't think so."
1: You know, it's funny because uh, you, you had the picture on Twitter yesterday, and when you first sent it, you know, you had it, you tweeted it below your other tweet, so I, it was no caption. I looked at it and I didn't know who was at first, and then I scrolled up, I'm like, "Oh, that's Soule. He's 85 now. He's Daniel Brown's old number. Looks like a bulked up Daniel Brown who was a
3: little small today. Now it just got him." And everybody in the stands had that reaction. When yep. he, he ran towards you, you pulled out your program, you looked at the number and you thought, Is that, is that a slim down Shaheen? Is that a is that some undrafted free agent? Who is this guy? <laughs> because it doesn't look like Bradley Soule. But it looks very natural on him, I'll say that. It doesn't look like he's out of shape in any way. It looks toned up and ready to go. And then you see him out there moving. He's moving really fluidly. He's running, you know, typical short F tight end routes, curls, hitches. Um, kicking out on blocking. The funny thing is they lined him up out wide yeah. multiple times today, like at the widest wide receiver position. They almost always motioned him in to start the play, but they're using this guy as a flexible weapon. And, again, if you'd said, Bradley Sowell, flexible weapon in the offense, I would have said, uh, yeah, nah, I don't think
1: so. You know, you mentioned he looked natural. That's my takeaway today from mm-hmm. seeing him play for the first time, obviously. He he looked like a tight end. I thought I would look at him as a, as a lineman trying to play tight end but he looks like a tight end. Like I wouldn't even if you wouldn't told me that he used to play O line a year ago, that he wasn't a, a swing tackle. He didn't start as a left tackle for the Seahawks a few years ago. If you told me that was the same guy, I would not believe you. But you know, I think he looked pretty good. Robert, mm-hmm. uh, how about you? What's your take on the guy that uh, is your most surprising? Bear. so there's a lot of guys we could talk about i will quickly one-off mention alan robinson's had a
4: phenomenal camp javon wims behind him also has had a really great couple of days but one that i want to focus on so i came into camp wanting to talk about dex raymond wanting to say hey this guy's been really good ej will talk a little bit more about dex raymond later but in that backup tight end conversation because if soul makes the tight end that means the bears may have a u a y and an f and still need maybe two more backups. There's been a lot of competition surrounding the spot that Raymond might have been taking, and Ian Bunting and Ellis Richardson, two tight ends, especially Richardson, I wouldn't be surprised if you've never heard of them, have looked really good. Bunting's gotten first-team reps, and while I haven't watched him explicitly, he got open for a couple of uh, different catches today. Richardson, on the other hand, is running with all the speed that I would tell you that Raymond doesn't seem to have. Seam routes, post routes, I mean, he's all over the field in terms of a run-and-catcher. And Uh, and if you go out to practice, just watch for number 46 in blue. You will likely see him because he's playing really well. Certainly surprised me. They both look fast. They do. I Certainly, Bunting looks... Bunting looks good. Again, I haven't really, every time Bunting hits the field, there's somebody else I want to watch, whether it's Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Mitchell Trubisky. There's a lot of guys out there. And that's a credit to Bunting that he's on the field at those times. But when Richardson's hitting the field with the threes, I keep finding myself saying, man, that guy looks pretty good. Are my eyes deceiving me? Because this Richardson
1: guy, he looks like he can play. Well, Bunting six seven. He's a huge guy, yeah. you know. And then with Richardson six three, he looks a little more like a traditional tight end there. Um, both undrafted free agents, along with Dax Raymond. Um, EJ, are you surprised at the way these two are playing coming out of college? Uh,
3: I was really both Bunting and Richardson. Yeah, I was really pleased to see Richardson play well. I watched his tape and I thought he has some skill. He definitely looks like they got him to be a, a sort of backup or understudy to the Trey Burton role which is that faster tight end in the offense that moves. He didn't look that fast on tape. He's looked faster in person up against NFL talent. Bunting's a little bit of a different story. He's definitely more of that what Bradley Soul was last year, that straight in line F blocking tight end, but he showed more movement ability than I thought. Started at Michigan, ended up going to Cal. My joke about Bunting is that he just really likes dark blue and gold, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's shown a little bit more in the passing game. Everybody said, oh, this guys he's the blocker, right? He's the UDFA guy they're bringing in as a blocking sled. But he's shown a little bit in the passing game, a little bit better movement skills or more fluid movement skills than it looked like he had on tape. Uh, is he blowing me away with his movement? No, but he is getting a lot more reps. Um, also out there on special teams as well. So for a bottom-of-the-roster guy, that's a big deal. I, I, if you'd ask me again, we're talking about a lot of tight end storylines, mm-hmm. but um, if you'd said, oh, you know, what are Ian Bunting's chances to make the roster? Even, even the practice squad as UDFA, I would have been like, uh, eh, he's probably going to be one of the first guys cut. Given his frequency in reps in camp, Maybe not. I think with uh, Shaheen being out
1: today, that was obviously a big plus for those two guys. And uh, with Shaheen, who knows? Maybe he's going to miss a little while and these guys will get a big chance to shine. Um, Jeff, what about you? I mean, since you're an old offensive lineman like myself, uh, were you impressed with Bradley Solomon's transformation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, he looks the part. He looked pretty smooth in the routes, and was I mean, it was my favorite play
2: from last year was that Santa Sled, yes. where he's, he's uh, Santa Sleigh, where he scored on the touchdown and, and did the little dance. And we we're joking in the stands. I wonder if he's working on his dance moves as well, because he might get in the end zone multiple times this year. That that's my confidence in him. Um, yeah, I, I'm really positive really uh, like what they're, what they're doing, the creativeness saying like hey, we think we can use you here. We really like your athletic ability. And that's a really creative coaching staff to, to push for that and that's all the credit in the world to, to Nagy and his team to, to push that idea.
1: and I think he's gonna uh, pay it off. Now I was listening to the, the Hogan Johns uh, Hogan Johns podcast and they have a theory that there's a little handshake deal between Nagy and Saul that he's making the roster. Uh, why else have a guy cut all this weight if there's not a spot for him? Because he could have stayed at three twelve, what he was, and caught on as a swing tackle somewhere else. But since they had him cut all this weight, there's a deal deal going on where he's going to stay. You guys all think that's part of the deal. You think he's definitely sticking on the fifty-three man roster? I'll tell you that with how happy and how, I mean, jubilant is obviously a synonym
4: of happy, but just how excited he's looked and the, w- the method and veracity with which he has attacked this transformation, it wouldn't surprise me if he knows he's making it and is working towards doing something in a game instead of spending that extra energy worrying about it. It's not that I'm saying, yeah, that rumor, confirmed, yeah. but it
1: doesn't, it, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. DJ, you think it's a little, little deal here where he's making the team?
3: I don't know about a deal, but uh, our Den Master, Ken, said something really interesting watching him in practice today. He said there's no way he could go back to tackle this year. No. With that transformation, with as much weight as he's cut and as trim as he looks, You don't just put that right back on. So it's not like, oh, well, we're not going to take you as a tight end. We'll we'll move you back to swing tackle. That's not happening. The Bears
1: do still list him at 312 on the program. Yeah, they haven't caught up yet. (laughs) That's not it. (laughs)
3: What it reminded me of for a lot of fans that watch the NFL is maybe you saw the videos of Gronk post-retirement showing up things. And people said, oh, Gronk's seriously retiring. He's not coming back because he dropped so much weight. That's soul. Right, he's not going to be able to pop back up to, to 312. It's not going to happen. So whether or not it's a handshake deal, he's he's all in. He's bought in, and he's certainly getting the looks. I mean, he's getting a fair shake there and showing out. So why wouldn't he make the team? Nice. All right. So we talked about the guy that surprised you guys in a positive
1: manner. Uh, we got to go the other way. So Jeff, um, you here two days now. Is there one player that kind of you thought you'd see a little more from?
2: Well, I want to answer it in a way that just says that David Montgomery got his welcome to the NFL moment, Yes, and that was two times. One, in pass protection, uh, Mr. Roquan Smith made him look very silly with a little swim over move, got right to the bag, and uh, basically Montgomery whiffed on that, and then he had a fumble in team drills um, after someone popped it out. So. Yeah, that's, uh, like we we joked about in the stands, he's not going against the Kansas State defense anymore, he's going yeah. against real defenders, and so he's going to have to up his game on the pass pro if he wants to see the field at all, and then he want, he's going to need to make sure that he protects the ball if he wants to stay on the field once he gets on.
1: You know, he did have a few reps in that in that blitz pickup drill where he was good, you know, he just, I mean, he did go against Roquan Smith, who may be one of the better inside linebacking blitzers Absolutely. in the league, but... But yeah, Smith made him look ridiculous. The crowd had to, to ooze and eyes when it happened, and uh, then of course the fumble late. And, but overall, he he looked decent. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a negative person, so I don't want to necessarily
2: uh, harp on anybody. But again, his welcome to the yeah. So the welcome to the NFL moment, and he's
1: he's you know he's showing his rookie stripes. Okay, EJ, was there a guy that uh, you thought you'd see a little more from?
3: Uh, Dax Raymond, I scouted at utah state i thought he had a lot of good qualities we got pretty excited about him i was very excited about the fact that the bears picked him up as a udfa yesterday the non-padded practice he didn't show a lot he looked slow And I had to caution myself because it's not that he looked good, and I had to lie to myself about that, but you just never know with a guy. Maybe it's the first day, maybe it's hot, maybe he didn't sleep very well, maybe he's got rookie jitters, first big pro practice in front of people. Um, Today in the padded practice, he he rounded the form a little bit better. He had a catch over the middle, which is really his bread and butter. Uh, Looked a little bit faster. His routes still aren't sharp. Um, Played decently on special teams. So it's sort of wait and see with Dax Raymond, but a lot of fans got hyped about Dax Raymond sort of maybe being the next Trey Burton. I think we probably kicked the breaks on that hype train a little bit and then yesterday I had the question did anybody see Jonathan Bullard and I was a big Bullard supporter I was really happy when they drafted him the third round he hasn't really panned out and I realized I didn't even see him yesterday so I looked for him today I saw him there playing him a little bit at nose basically and but he's not really doing a lot he's taking up space you know he might make the team but he's just not going to be an impact guy the time's up for that so Bullard's a guy that you know could be a surprise cut. Could be a, a guy they carry his depth because he's familiar with the system, but uh, just not making anybody notice when he's out there on the field. Which is kind of a bummer because he had a lot of natural skill coming out. Well,
1: if the Bears carry six again, then Buller kind of be that sixth guy because you got you know your starters and you got uh, Roy Robertson Harris, and then you got Jonathan Bullard there coming in, and it's him, Nick Williams, maybe a couple of the uh, the, the young uh, uh, Abdullah Anderson may show up something, but. I mean, Bullard, I think his spot's pretty pretty set just because, you know, he, he's a veteran. He's not making a lot of money. You know, I think he's still better than some of those UDFAs they have on the roster. So if you keep six, I think he's the guy. But with so many other positions, and, and you may think, you know what, we can get away with just keeping five this year on the D-line because we are nickel so much anyway, so it's only two guys getting reps. Maybe we go with five, and, and Bullard is a surprise cut.
3: Yeah, it could happen. He's he's not making a huge case to keep him, other than the fact of the things you mentioned, which are great points. Yeah. He's he's a younger guy. Um, you know, he's live out there. He's not making a ton of money. If he'd been looking at an extension or something like that, it, he'd be a great cut candidate. But he's still affordable. Third round pick. He's young. Something could happen with him. He plays fairly solidly. It's not like he lets a lot of plays go by him, but he doesn't make a lot of plays either. He's just a real neutral. You just don't notice him at all when he's out there. So we'll see. While we're on the subject of D-line,
4: one thing I will mention, Lester, because you kind of alluded to this, but I think it's worth uh, telling the fans that they know. There is a clear hierarchy in the defensive line. There is is three starters, Bilal Nichols, who is in the group with the obvious Hakeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. Then there is a clear rotational guy, Roy Robertson Harris, and then there's everybody else. That's not to say that... And, Bullard, point being that Bullard isn't in Robertson Harris's group. He took reps with the threes today. He did not come right on in off the bench. He was not right there with Nichols and Robertson Harris coming in to take immediate reps as soon as the first two guys were off. His spot isn't secure, but if he stays on the field, or on the roster, it might be just because there's nobody else taking that spot, because it seems like the Bears have four names that come to mind. When they say defensive lineman that they like, and Bullard might
1: not be on that list, though that might not kick him off the team immediately. You know, a lot of mites and shoulds, but that's. You mentioned camp. you mentioned Belal Nichols, and we talked about this in the stands today. He looks like he's lean. He, oh yeah, he, he wasn't necessarily a, a really heavy guy last year. But when you see him with his pads on, he's noticeably leaner this year. He talked about, in a, in a Bears
4: 100 interview a while ago, he talked about how he wanted to get leaner because he felt like he was a lot quicker than he was powerful and wanted to even that out and make sure that he could do both. He said versatility was what he wanted to become the name of his game. Today, he looked pretty good. He had a really, really, really nice rush from the inside where he just ripped and swam right by the center that was on him. Didn't catch who that center was, but he just stopped running as soon as he got by him because he knew he'd kill the play if he did anything else. So. Nichols looks as if he's gotten a lot leaner, that's really positive for the fifth round rookie out of Delaware, and boy, if he can develop a little bit more of that power, which I want to see in preseason more than in camp, because we'll get to see a tackle fighting for his life against Bilal Nichols, uh, we, he could turn into a, like a legitimate starting level lineman, even though that obviously wouldn't displace Goldman or Hicks, both on really big contracts with a whole
1: lot of skill. And if anyone would know about Bilal Nichols, it's because you, your video you made on him was fantastic.
4: That's the hope. Uh, watched it, or I watched him a whole lot. He really just has to get enough power to set the edge. Uh, in one-on-one situations. Double teams are always going to be hard for him. Some guys are like Goldman, where they've got all the power in the world and they're just going to try to get enough speed to contribute. But, Bilal Nichols is exactly the opposite. Guy is oozing with speed and quickness. He just has to get enough power that NFL teams can't wash him out of plays when it matters. Or you're going to get more games like the Patriot game where the Patriots ran at him six times in a row. That's why we lost. I hate to say it, but they targeted the rookie. That's how they killed four minutes. But we don't need to be talking too much about <laughs> Nichols' 2018 season. This is a camp cast.
1: <laughs> All right, let's, let's go real quick with your uh, the Bears, Bears player that you saw so far. Yeah. Not as uh, impressive. So, if you asked me yesterday, and Bears fans, this is why
4: it's important to check in at camp uh, as often as you can is because narratives will change. I would have told you that Mike Davis looked debatably even bad. Like, not just rough, but really really not good last or yesterday but today he got a lot better he he was blocking really well feet looked noticeably quicker EJ and I both talked about that immediately we said, oh yeah he looks like he's back uh, but I haven't seen anything out of Cordero Patterson yet Every time he takes a jet sweep, it seems like a linebacker's right there to meet him. Every time he runs a route, whether it's because he falls or he drops the ball, sometimes he just doesn't run it technically, he's covered. It's not to say that Patterson has no juice. I'm not trying to make some claim, but I expected a little bit more out of a guy who's known, like Cohen, to be electric than what we've seen out of Patterson. I'm
1: curious to see what we'll get out of him as camp continues. That's a good point. You mentioned Cohen, and he is electric. When he touches the ball, it's obvious, oh yeah, that's Tariq Cohen. Mm -hmm. And I concur with Patterson. I did see him a lot today running up a lot of stuff. At tailback, he was going out, and he made some jet sweeps, and he's obviously fast. We know this. We've seen him play in the NFL, but the practice juice isn't there, like you said.
4: Oh, yeah. One thing that's super funny about watching a ton of football is I would I would summarize that sometimes you watch a guy and you could say, oh, his hands aren't there or he just needs a little bit more foot quickness. And sometimes you watch a guy and you say, it isn't there. And I use air quotes to say sometimes you can tell a guy has special qualities that just make him really successful on the football field, and I'm waiting to see a little bit more of that from Patterson, because he's obviously wildly fast, scored a touchdown against the Bears due to raw speed and that massive one cut that he can make, but I want to see a little bit more than these three-yard gains we're getting on week plays that you know Nagy wants a little more
1: out of. You know, maybe he's just not a very good practice player. This is, uh, the Bears are now his fourth team, if I remember (laughs) right. (laughs) so... So it's possible maybe one of the guys that doesn't practice well, or maybe you know he's still trying to get get his handle with the playbook. So I think we all know what kind of player he is yeah. when, when the lights are on. So I think maybe this is one of those things where we'll see the best of Cordell Patterson. Oh, it's not something to worry deeply about. I'm really, really excited that
4: I don't have to say Trubisky at this point in the podcast because all I heard from last year's camp was that he was struggling and that we were starting to ask questions about our quarterback once. The fact that I'm reporting the guy who would potentially be like wide receiver five or running back four uh, as this guy hasn't shown me a ton, like, I'm much happier
1: reporting that than somebody really, really important to the Bears offense. You mentioned Trubisky, so let's, let's jump on him. I mean, Bears fans all want to know about the quarterback. <laughs> of course. Um, you guys have been here, again, both days. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Trubisky here in two days? He's
2: underthrown a lot of deep balls. Yep. He made two really bad decisions today. It was the first time we saw him really struggle. Uh, two, two at least in a row um, that, were, that were pretty bad. One that... Eddie Jackson basically camped under it, called for a fair catch, and then intercepted it. And another one where he tried to force in, and Kyle Fuller should have picked it off. Um, those those were just bad throws and bad decisions. And otherwise, yesterday he looked really good. So that's kind of the difference. He did underthrow a couple of the deep balls that he had open, but everything intermediate looked sharp and in line. And, and he's been peppering Allen Robinson, um, and though that connection looks like it's going to be really strong. So a little bit of a mixed bag because today was a little off. What about you, EJ?
3: Yeah, yesterday we reported super sharp, short to medium, everything on time. Uh, long balls were there. Um, in terms of accuracy, maybe a little bit underthrown, but receivers were still making some catches on them. Today, definitely a different deal. They started off looking a bit like yesterday, Um, good accuracy, really good command of the huddle, and that's worth talking about. They're coming out very quickly. He's making the reads and the audibles exceptionally quickly. I mean, if he audibles, he's audibling one to two seconds after the time he gets them set. He takes one look, the audible comes out, everybody gets a chance to shift, everybody's well set. But then somewhere in the middle of practice, he really, the rails came off a little bit. He made that um, poor throw that Jackson picked off down the right side, which was kind of late and high, followed it up only two or three plays later with his first really terrible decision of camp, threw across the middle to a guy who was clearly covered and basically threw it right at the defender. Nobody caught it, but it was just a mess of a throw. Later in practice, he made another similar throw across the middle that was just there was nobody there, and it was a terrible decision to throw, and he's either been tucking that down or checking that down with regularity, and for some reason he let those balls go today. I'm sure he wants all three back. I'm sure the film room won't be very kind to him there. So a bit of a mixed bag, but you know, don't lose hope in terms of in terms of his command and his other teammates have said this as well that it's night and day he said the same thing on Sirius XM yesterday that he understands the offense he knows the play it's happening a lot quicker he knows his teammates that's very evident this guy's in command people are looking to him as a leader he's delivering on that front so some of these you know with new installs in camp you never really know but made some bad decisions today which we definitely didn't see yesterday yeah Um, Uh, One thing that's so funny about watching
4: Mitchell Trubisky after staring at every single one of his throws in 2018 at least two or three times is we haven't seen any of the completely random errant throws that you would catch sometimes, not only in training camp, but also in the season. But as a fan, you forget to watch for those because they're not supposed to happen. If, as I'm sure you Bears fans remember, all throughout the season last year, he would have random times where he would airmail somebody on a screen pass or something that you would look at and say, that one's supposed to be easy, right? Uh, but this year, none of that. Every single one of his short throws has been on time. His uh, medium distance throws have been accurate, especially his stuff across the line of scrimmage. He's setting his running backs up well, except for one time where I believe it was, it was either uh, Marvin Hall or it was uh taekwon but he threw a short throw that he would love to have not thrown because that guy would have been lit up uh, by one of the, I believe it was John Franklin, one of those kinds of corners that has not become common on the Bears. But one note that uh, if you want to follow something when it comes to Mitchell Jabisky, it has been that his deep ball is consistently about three feet short, somewhere in that region. It feels that way every single time he throws it deep. It would be on target if you push that ball up about three feet downfield. He's getting—he's narrowing the precision of where his throws will go. They're just off. That's much different than last year where they apparently could have been sprayed anywhere. They could have been long, they could have been short, they could have been wide. Uh, this year, they're just consistently short. And people still have a chance to make a play on them. Maybe that's what Nagy wants, I doubt it. I think he wants to push that ball a little bit down the field, further down the field. But hey, this is the second day camp. This is a lot different than what we saw last year. Most important thing that I could report, Mitchell Trubisky looks a lot more consistent, both in his flaws and in his positives, and I think that's a good thing. His decision-making, yeah, it was a little spotty today, but it was a lot better yesterday, and I'm sure we'll see some gaffes. Everybody makes mistakes here and there, but at the same time, just like Jeff post, er, pointed out on yesterday's podcast, we are talking about the Bears' defense. One of his bad decisions was because Fuller had eaten Robinson, who was open the entire day. You almost start to wonder, did Mitch need to check on Robinson as to whether he's actually open? Well, in that snap, he did. The other one, where he had a terrible, terrible uh, read, what uh, what uh, EJ didn't mention, that was Eddie Jackson, who does that a lot and fools quarterbacks. This doesn't mean it's an excuse. It does mean he's playing against one of the better pass defenses that he's going to face, and so in some cases, that's a win for the passing defense, proves they're exactly who we know them to be. It's something to watch for, especially as we continue in camp. But I imagine Mitch is knocking the
1: rust off to some degree and that he might not be perfect, but he'll be a lot better. Yeah, I think it's part of it. He's just going through some some different plays. He does have a few new guys working in there. Um, I think uh, the deep ball thing does concern me a little bit because if it was happening only in the 11-on-11s when, you know, let's face it, the – the Bears' defense is pretty good. They're getting pressure on Trubisky, you know, quite a bit. Consistent. You know, and, and an offensive coach is going to tell your, your defenders, stay the hell away from a quarterback in practice because, you, you know, you want him to have a clean pocket, but it doesn't always happen in 11-11. Sometimes the, the pocket's a little rough. Uh, he has to do something. But he's underthrown guys in 7-on-7s, seven too, and there is no rush. So, um, like you said, something to monitor, kind of see how he's doing it, how his mechanics look, he's stepping up. Uh, but, you know, it's not all negative. You know, there was a nice stretch towards the end of practice where he got really hot. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many he did in a row, but, you know, f- for the entire session he was in, I don't think the ball touched the, the, the ground once. Uh, so, again, up and down today, really good yesterday. I think that's a positive for the, the Bears, though, right? Oh, yeah.
4: One other yeah. thing that I guess I'll talk about, because you mentioned the Bears' offense and pressure, Pagano's bringing a lot more pressure than I guess for some reason I thought I would see. I got so used to Fanjo who would blitz once in a blue moon. Pagano is bringing it. We saw uh, one set where the Bears blitzed. Uh, they ran five at the quarterback, which is a one-man blitz. They then ran two, uh, six at the quarterback. They went back to five, and then they went like eight at the quarterback, and most of them got home. I mean, I'm sure the other two could talk about, or everybody else in the room could talk a little bit more about that. But boy, oh boy,
1: Pagano looks like he's turning the temperature up in the Chicago defense. And I noticed a few uh, plays today where they had Eddie Jackson up uh, real close to the line, uh, almost like a cornerback. Is that something that was happening yesterday,
3: EJ? Uh, they didn't move him as close yesterday. They did play him straight at corner a couple of times. So I think we're going to see Jackson closer to the line. And as you brought up today, there's a good possibility that Pagano brings him on the blitz. Yeah. Like you, you know, said, Eddie Breed, maybe Honey Badger kind of look to
1: it. Yeah, and yeah. Bring him in. You know, he he did play some corner in college. Absolutely. So that's something he came up as a
3: corner. So, mm-hmm. he and he can blitz. Yeah, I mean, he's he a saving play. corner, and saving corners blitz. Yeah. So he's not bad at that. Like he has the skill. Didn't use it a lot over the last couple of years, but I, I put money. Good money on the fact we'll see some good Eddie Jackson blitzes this year. Another
1: thing I noticed uh, today from watching the defense that I didn't see a lot last year was they had uh, both outside linebackers on the same side kind of stacked them up. Is that something that happened yesterday too, Jeff? It did happen, and I'm just fascinated by what that means for the year. That's going to be a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, we saw Mack and Floyd stacked on one side. We saw guys in the second and third team stacking on one side. Um, It's not all the time, maybe 10% of the time, something like that. Uh, but it's a really interesting look to see that kind of motion, full swing, to, you know, overload the defense and bring two guys from the same side and say, deal with it, um, especially when you got two guys as fast as Mack and Floyd. you got Mack and Floyd, you got Hicks next to them, and then you have uh, a Rokon Smith in the A-gap. You know, what are you going to do if you're overloading that kind of list? And if you bring them all, that's yeah. the other thing is Pagano, uh, Fangio would have brought four of those guys sort of at max most yeah. of the time. You know, Pagano could bring them all. He could bring all three defensive linemen, both outside linebackers and Smith. Yeah. Then what are you going to do? I mean, you, you got your hands full and they're all getting there in a hurry. That's the thing is when the defense was getting home today, it was a jailbreak. Yeah. Like, it was like, was that him or him? Well, it was kind of both of them. They just kind of pinched him, right? Left and right, right and right. Um, they got home really, really quickly. Mitch was taking the, and these are like three step drops. Like, he's setting on his third step drop and he's got guys in his face. And of course, there's, no real tackling, no real sacking. You're not going after the quarterback, but those guys were there in a snap. So it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of pressure the Bears' defense can, you know, just exert on opposing offenses. It's going to be, I think, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. All right.
1: So before I get to a couple of questions we got on our Facebook feed, um, we got to talk about the kicker situation. Uh, yesterday was Elliott Fry, and he was uh, seven of eight, eight of nine, was it? Yeah, he missed one. He missed he missed the first one and made all the rest, including right. the 60-yard mm-hmm. to, to cap it out. And today was Eddie Pinero's chance to kick and he was the same thing a seven for eight for him, uh, but he missed uh one in the middle about 40ish. I but he nailed the 62 yarder to close it out and his kickoffs too he was booming I mean he definitely has a bigger leg than Fry um, I didn't see Fry yesterday kick kickoffs but will you guys all concur is, is Pinheiro's leg much bigger Jeff? His leg is much bigger you can tell by the sound it's
2: just the truer sound it's like when a hitter hits that sweet spot on the barrel every kick that he had today at least uh, what I heard it, was, it seemed true and they were all on a line they were all driven whereas Fry's kicks a lot of them seemed like kind of popped up they were accurate for the most part but uh yeah, Pinheiro really drove the ball, and if I had to handicap it, I'd say it's his job to lose.
3: Jeff? Uh, or uh, yeah, EJ? Yeah, no, Pinheiro strikes the ball very, very differently. Fry drove about half of his kicks. Any others, he kind of looked like he scupped under him a little bit. Ball had a lot more backspin, went up a lot higher, still went in, yep. was still straight. But Pinheiro's kicks look like a golf ball coming off a tee when you hit it with a driver. It has that sort of long, slow climb, and it's almost still going up when it goes through the uprights. And his kickoffs is where we really saw that when he backed up and started drilling kickoffs. He was kicking field goals on kickoffs that had room, and they were just starting to dip when they went through. Like, they were at their apex, and that's a very different look. So Pinheiro had a lot more drive on the ball. I'll just say that 62-yarder that he made, he could have made it from 65,
2: 66, something like that, and he had some uh, some room to spare, and and it was just an impressive kick. And, and I think... In a city like Chicago, it's very windy in Soldier Field. And that drive is very important.
3: Yeah, the one he missed today, it's worth mentioning that the wind had picked up. It was a good left-to-right crosswind as he was looking at it. Um, the wind gusted up a little bit higher than it was for the rest of his attempts, and that's the one he missed. It pushed right with the wind. Um, but, yeah, the drive to cut through the wind and keeping that ball sort of lower, not floating it up like Fry's kicks, the ones he scuffed under – he gets that ball up in the wind, they're they're gonna drift. they yep. you're gonna see two, three yards worth of movement one side to the other. He just doesn't have the power on it. Yeah, Pinero, you're not gonna see that for the first twenty or thirty yards of his kick. That ball's not going anywhere but where he kicked it. So um, yeah, I'd go with i go with Jeff. And it's let's just talk about the fact that two field goal kickers missed two field goals on two days <laughs> and everything else went through. And as far as the bottom line goes for Chicago kickers, that's great
1: good news. You know, you mentioned that both kickers did pretty good. I think Aaron Lemming tweeted out earlier that the Browns have another kicking competition going on, and, and one of their kickers, I think, only made one field goal today. So it's good that the Bears have a couple guys. Who knows? This still may not be the guy, but, you know, Robert, you think uh, it's 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 uh, Pinero or Fry so far?
4: So what's complicated about the kicker, and EJ kind of talked about this yesterday, is that if the kicker makes his field goals, I don't care how it looks. I really don't. That said, in Chicago, known as the Windy City for a reason, you have to be able to knife through potentially strong wind, and Pinheiro's kicks certainly looked like they could. Now, one thing I'll notice, that, because nobody else has talked about it, is that the defense didn't actually rush him on that 60-yard field goal, so I have no idea how his trajectory actually looked, given that the defense didn't... You know, cause the field goal team to concave or to get a little concave and potentially get a hand up. So I, I look. I'm not a kicking specialist. I can't talk about the trajectory of the kick. What I can say is that guy got has leg for days. He can kick that thing and it will go the distance. It's just a matter of whether it goes in the posts and. Everything I've ever heard about Pinheiro is that accuracy really is his struggle because his power is obvious. So if he can can consistently go 7 for 8, I'm confident that he'll be able to win the job. The question is, will he consistently go 7 for 8? Or is that the reason that Fry may have it? Or is it going to be a name that has not been mentioned yet? A late player that gets signed or traded for in one reason or another. I don't think this kicking competition is over. I don't think Pinheiro was so good that I'm
1: satisfied and done, but, hey, we'll see. All right. We did a quick little Facebook Live segment earlier today, Uh, just a few minutes, but we all did share a few other nuggets from camp, so make sure you guys all check that out on our Windy City Grand Facebook page. Uh, But we did get a couple questions, Uh, and the first one's from TJ. It's kind of a tough one to answer because the offensive line is kind of something that you don't really see. Uh, Yes, they're going live, but it's not really live. Uh, But TJ asked, how is the guard center switcheroo looking so far? Obviously, he means James Daniels to center and Cody Whitehair to left guard. I really think that they both look more
2: natural. They're in their natural position, and I think that it's uh, glad. I'm glad that the switch happened, first of all. I'm glad that it happened right away in camp, the first time we saw the offensive line walk out. It was Daniels uh, taking the snap. And so uh, it's happened. It's official. They look good, and I think that it's just going to be positive for the Bears.
1: It's going to make both positions better. Now, a couple years ago we saw with Cody Whitehair playing center, uh, there was an injury to guard, and what the Bears did with John Fox, they moved Whitehair off center, put him at guard, and plugged in a new center, which is Horonis Pursuit at the time. And then it happened again. There was another injury later on in the year, the other guard, and again, they moved Whitehair off center. Um, I personally hate that. You know, if, if this is your center, this is your center. I get you want to have your five best guys out there, but you got to have someone worthy of being in there stepping in at center. R- right now, I think the Bears brought in Ted Larson to kind of be that swing interior guy. But I didn't see him taking any snaps today. It was uh, the, the UDFA from Notre Dame. I can't pronounce his Sam name. Sam Mustafer. I knew I knew EG would have that one. And also was uh, another UDFA. I tweeted about him earlier, and I can't find his name on the on the play card now. It was, uh, help me out somebody. Joe Lowry? Could have been. You know, but it was... Uh, Jordan McRae is who it was, number sixty on your uh, play card. There, uh, he was taking some reps at center, so it wasn't Larson. If they go into the camp and, and if they go into the season, and Larson is not going to be their backup center, that's a problem. I think if Daniels gets hurt for any length of time, they move Whitehair back to center and they bring Larson in at guard. If it's a lengthy injury,
4: yeah, it's I a, do. Okay. It's Are obnoxious. you guys
1: okay with that? It's
4: obnoxious because it means that the line's composition can't sit and gel in any capacity, but. It might be the right move. I mean, Whitehair now has two or three. Correct me where I'm wrong. Three years of professional center experience in which he's obviously played pretty well. So if somebody gets hurt, why bring in a true backup center when you know the guy next to him now playing guard is going to be a better center? Just move somebody in a guard, which to my understanding, and the offensive line guys in the room can talk about this more than I can, is a much more replaceable position than center is. So if that was the case, um, I'd probably move him over too. It's the way it goes. (laughs) I'm just going to be happier if nobody gets hurt.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. I wouldn't do it the way they did it last time, which is take your center and turn him into a guard. But I would take a guard, in this case white hair, and turn him into a center because I think center's more complicated making the calls. He's got a ton of experience there. And to Robert's point, guard more easily replaceable. So given that we've got white hair, solid a guard now, or at least we think we do, look, we're going to drop him over, and I think he's going to slot in better. And if Larson comes in at a guard, we know Larson can play guard. That's great. Now, if it was Whitehair's injury, would I slide – Daniels over I wouldn't I'd leave Daniels yeah. there again center more complicated position younger player leave him there and again bring in a, a more replaceable guard so I think the center is the preeminent position there and White Airs just got the benefit of having experience so I'm okay with him sliding to center but I wouldn't do it in the reverse if that makes any sense yeah with Ted, Ted Larson I know he has played center in a pass
1: with it with when he Arizona I don't think he played it with the Bears. I do not think he played it at all in Miami the last two years. So uh, I guess I would, would reluctantly be okay with, uh, with Cody going back to center. I just, I know from an O-line perspective, I know those guys want to do their job. That's all they want to do. They don't want to be hopping around. You know, you're not going left to right. You're not going inside to outside. You're not going center to guard. They want to do their thing, and that's all they want to do. And that, that's what we can leave it at, as I'm good with that. But, again, at the end of the day, you got to you have your best five guys out there. And then the other question we got here from Facebook Live was from Greg. Uh, how is Roquan Smith looking? Anything stand out today? Oh, man, he looks so good. He's He's so this so amazing. We're all smiling and grinning and laughing
3: because Roquan is – Roquan didn't have the benefit of camp last year. He came in late with a contract holdout, one of the last rookie's signed in the NFL. Um, still came in and, and got up to speed really quickly and played at a very effective level after, like, week two, week three this year full offseason program full conditioning program we were talking about this before the podcast he's the clear leader at middle linebacker uh, trevathan is you know obviously a well and experienced leader we're not quite sure who's gonna make the calls but it's very obvious that the future of middle linebacker for the chicago bears is roquan smith he's got speed he's covering even the fastest guys out of the backfield it doesn't look like they're getting by folks um no, Smith has looked tremendous to me in all facets. And then he smoked Montgomery in the one-on-one drills yep. with a little arm over. So he's showing variety. Uh, all the things we saw on the tape in Georgia to make him a top ten pick. Um, very, very pleased with what we've seen out of Smith so far. All the way across the board,
4: no Robert. More. You agree? Oh, I'm so excited! All t- so EJ talked about his blitzing, but like Jeff mentioned earlier, Roquan Smith's always been a really good blitzing linebacker. If anybody is out there as an amateur tape head, just go watch the difference between the way Trevathan attacks the quarterback and the way Smith attacks the quarterback. There is a clear difference. It's obvious. What I was really excited to see is that Roquan is way better in his coverage than he was a year ago at this time. He had in a one-on-one drill. I believe it was against Taylor Gabriel, though the receiver maybe be... Sp- no, it's Mike Davis. Mike Davis technically beat quote unquote Roquan Smith on a route, and Roquan decided that he'd just cut off the throw and knock the ball down. And he did things like that all throughout camp. He clearly is starting to understand coverage. And that takes a little while in the NFL because these players are good, they're fast. The routes are complicated, but as Roquan is starting to get into the groove of covering passes, he's going to just continue to ascend. A Patterson run that I know I saw, Uh, Patterson looked like he had the edge, he started to round up and suddenly out of absolutely nowhere, number 58 came through, tapped him on the hips and the play was over. It was just, (laughs) it was really cool watching the the way that Roquan can range over and make plays. This guy is special. A great pick out of what? First year's, uh, last year's first round number eight spot. It looks good.
1: He, Robert, uh, go ahead, Jeff. I was say, he is a blue chip pick, he's a blue chip player. Definitely. Robert, final thoughts uh, on the show here? I had Play a great camp.
4: time at camp. Uh, going to camp is a whole lot of fun. Bears fans, if you get the chance to go, you should. It's a great time just getting to see all the guys that we watch on DV live. I can't wait to see tomorrow to see what really is true and what isn't true. What can we verify? What can we say? Ah, that must have been a one-day thing. Uh, but overall, I like the way the Mitch is growing. Things seem like they're moving according to plan. Nagy's 202 thing really coming into play. The offense looks like it's way ahead where you commonly expect these offenses to be in camp. The defense doesn't have an obvious advantage outside of the fact that there's outstanding talent on the defense and that they're going to end up making plays. It's exciting to see. Very curious to watch Pagano's lineups. And when HaHa Clinton Dix actually does manage to get himself back healthy enough to practice, where's he going to line up? I don't know yet, but that to me
3: is probably the uh, the thing I'm most excited to see going forward. EJ, final thoughts on the first two days camp here? Uh, two days have been great. Today was even a lot more fun than yesterday. Pads came on. It got fun really quickly. They started right into contact drills. They started right into one-on-ones with the linebackers and the running backs. I was probably 10 minutes into camp and it just got better from there. Seven on seven, 11 versus 11. Seeing some uh, pops, some hitting, some some things coming around. Some of the storylines we were watching coming into camp was what was going on with tight end. I think we've got a lot of options there. The other storyline that was really preeminent, what are we doing with the sort of backup outside linebacker after Mack and Floyd? We've got Isaiah Irving, we've got Kylie Fitz, got a bunch of players over there seeing if they're going to contribute. Today Aaron Lynch made a couple of plays, so seeing how that third outside linebacker slots in, I don't think we're anywhere near solving that question. Uh, but wanted to give a quick shout out to the uh, the next great white hope of the Chicago Bears in terms of wide receivers, Thomas Ives. I was going to ask you
1: about him before
3: I moved on the deck. Yeah, no, <laughs> Thomas Ives had. Uh, he's just he's not a guy that anybody's really looking at to do anything. His tape was pretty interesting, but he's six five, two fifteen. Yeah, out at of Colgate, the, out of came out of Colgate, the Patriot League. Not a lot of expectations. Today he caught five balls, six balls. Yeah, he's be, he's becoming the the sort of almost safety valve for um Tyler Bray and he's in the right place he's making the catch he looks athletic you know surprising player is he ever going to do anything probably not but he's going to get that Tanner Gentry label Tanner Gentry's also made a couple of plays so you can yeah you can restart that hype train if you can pull it out of mothballs but um Thomas Ives uh, one of those players that I don't think we would have mentioned at all coming to camp and had a really good camp today, so the, the environment's great. Um, today we just could have we said it to each other, we could have watched it all day, it could have been a five hour practice, we would have been fine, because it was just so much fun, so many matchups, so many fun things to watch, so great experience, really enjoy it.
1: Jeff, final thoughts on your couple days?
2: Yeah, you know for me, I just want to make like a general statement about Bears fans are really pumped up and excited, huge attendance both days. Uh, I think we have a lot of talent and it's talent that is fun to cheer for. There's a lot of guys around the league that don't seem particularly fun to cheer for. Uh, I've got friends that are fans of different teams and I wouldn't want to cheer for those teams. They they got a lot of guys that just don't seem like guys you'd want to put your, your stock behind. We have a lot of guys that are really easy and really fun to cheer for. They're interacting with the fans. Um, we saw Ryan Pace on the, the autograph line yesterday. He looks like the happiest guy in America. We met George McCaskey. Um, he probably is the happiest guy in America. Uh, <laughs> and just walking through the line, meeting Bears fans, and you know, man of the people. And it's just, uh, it, there's just so much positive energy that it's really fun to be a Bears fan right now.
1: You know, I, I want to talk real quick about a guy in offense, a guy in defense. Um, obviously wasn't here yesterday, but you know, today Khalil Mack, he just looks ridiculous. I'm I'm not sure if we even mentioned him at all in this whole show.
3: We mentioned him a lot yesterday and, and, because he looked yeah. ridiculous yeah. then too. He is
1: just such a fantastic player and and he's been going back and forth. he's not just staying on on, the, uh, on the, uh, the left side working against right tackle Bobby Massey. He's going back and forth working on Leno and Massey and, and how much better is this gonna make Leno and Massey now going up against you know the best guy uh, all through training camp? Obviously you could do a little more hitting and a little more live stuff now than you during the season. So seeing him live, um, again, it's not live live, but it's live, NFL live. It's going to help those two guys out a lot. And then on offense, um, I thought Allen Robinson looks uh, quick. Uh, he looks, uh, he has qu- really, really quick feet. Um, obviously, the hands are great with him, but this guy's gonna have a
3: phenomenal year. You guys all concur on those two points? hundred percent. Those are, I really think, if you had to say tops on defense, it's easily Mac, and that's saying something. Guys like Eddie Jackson and Keem Hicks, but it's Mac at a different level. And Robinson has just drilled through the offense. He has been the first read almost every time. And every, we talking, every drill, right? Yeah, yeah. And we were talking about it today, and I don't think he's put a ball on the ground that's been near him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everything that's been thrown next to him has been caught, and, and easily so. Number 12, 1,200 yards this year. Oh, <laughs> hey, look, jeff putting a stake in the ground.
4: But even if he goes down because he's got an injury, uh, he's got injuries that are in his past. Another guy that's looked really, really good has been Javon Wims, his backup, straight up backup, Bears fans. The guy who's taking reps after Allen Robinson in his exact spot is Javon Wims. He's getting open all over the place. Whether it's the exact routes that Robinson's running uh, due to speed or shiftiness, he is clearly training under Allen Robinson. And I know he has been a guy that before camp was on a lot of people's roster bubbles saying, hey, we've got Emmanuel Hall, we've got Marvin Hall, but (laughs) I don't think he's getting cut. He looks way too good to pass on. If the Bears were to cut him, somebody's taking that guy because you could make use of him on an NFL field. He's not getting cut. He's either going to make
3: it or he's going to get traded. Yeah, but not with all the playing time yeah. he's getting right now is the understudy to a player that's as important to the roster as Allen Robinson. But, you know, to Robert's point, you could take Javon Wims out of the Bears right now and put him on the Giants, and he probably he probably gets 1,000 yards no matter what their quarterback yeah. situation is. Cause Even Brown? ah uh, let's not let's not okay, sour what's been a shot. great day <laughs> uh, let's not sour what's been a great day okay
1: hey guys this has been a blast i think doing this live is awesome i think we should do this at least once a week let's get together live fly you guys back easy in. okay you got the budget just cover the flight uh, let's move on uh what, what's the time uh, we got about 50 minutes left. Oh no! Uh, or 50 minutes overall. Oh my God! It was my longest show ever. Uh, this has been <laughs> this has been T Formation conversation. I have no more breath left. I'm gonna go around the room, let everyone plug their their their, their social stuff. Sure uh, Robert. thing.
4: Uh, I'm Robert K. Schmitz on Twitter. Easiest place to find me. You can also Google my name, Robert Schmitz.
1: Uh, not Google. Put that into YouTube. Find a bunch of videos. That's me. You. That's your thing. You're the you're the video guy. You're showing sure, it. the video. But, guy. See, that's the video guy now. <laughs> EJ?
3: You can find my stuff mostly on Twitter, at the Draftsman FB, as in football. I'm the co-host of the Bears Over Beers podcast, which, of course, you can find on Windy City Gridiron. Um, and, you know, tweets tomorrow from camp as well before I head back to the West Coast. Uh, that's most of my stuff. Jeff? I'm at Gridiron Born,
1: and, of course, at Bears Over Beers for the pod. Nice. I am at Jr. and that is a wrap. Bear down, my friends.